Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And I want to talk about an industry that really has been exposed for being one that's dividing into categories that are focused on treating you well and those that just want to get in your wallet. And the banking business is going through such a severe split right now with more and more companies offering essentially electronic banking only, no branches at all. And offering you really good deals to do that with online checking accounts, online savings accounts, online CDs, and where the traditional banking model in the United States has been about fees on top of fees on top of fees and gotchas, gotchas, gotchas. If you look at the online banks and then you look at people like... Um, uh, non-traditionals where online brokers are offering banking kind of services they are clean sheeting and by having non-traditional branch networks you know where there's either very few branches or none at all the overhead for them is so much lower there's not the temptation and tendency to try to have every kind of fee and gotcha and penalty that they can ever dream up. And then I think about how, as a result of coronavirus, how many people stop going into bank branches without even thinking about it. They became essentially electronic-only customers instead of being traditional bank customers. So in the past, I've talked about how with online banks, at least dip your toe in the water. Open a savings account or a CD with an online bank, and then if it works out, maybe you move your regular stuff. Well, people never seem to make that next step. Uh, people under 35 that's no leap at all. It's how you want to do business is electronically. But it's harder for people who have lived a lot of their adult lives dealing with traditional overpriced gotcha kind of banking. But if you have been able to, without even thinking about it, really become an electronic banking customer, look at what you get, look at what you're being charged, and think about the alternatives of going online bank only 
is a way to save money. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mike. Uh, hi, uh, d- uh, Dr. Uh, call you Dr. <laughs> Just call me Clark. Really How's that? <laughs> well, you know, it's because you're doing a lot of good things for the society, so you got to have a little uh, distinct uh, you know, honor. <laughs> you are kind, but, but you know, I'm just happy if you call me cheap guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been listening to talk shows since the days. Uh, uh, Bruce Willis, remember that days? Bruce Willis? Bruce Williams. Williams, I think. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Williams. In the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's why, you know, when I... Uh, yeah, he was a lawyer, who did, a lawyer who did, um, like, a consumer advice and legal advice show. Yeah, yeah, that way, yeah. So anyway, uh, did you hear about the fire back last uh, winter, you know, here in Northern California, you know? Oh, yes. The, the big fire, and the, like uh, on the news, it says like uh, something like uh, one third of the population didn't have, uh, they were underinsured, you know, they didn't have any replacement coverage, you know. Right. I was in both Northern and Southern California during the fires, and yeah, yeah. it was so, it just tore my heart to see how much destruction there was how much dislocation there was for people in their lives, and how much money was lost by people who did not have proper insurance coverage. Exactly. Uh, so I called my insurance company to do that, to do the replacement coverage, and they really didn't, they, let, they just tell me, uh, I do it myself, you know, I just calculate and everything, and then they didn't know how much. So uh, I, I really didn't know because, it, it, you know, it takes a little professional work to really f- figure out how to do replacement because it's not just uh, the cost, there's a code, there's this and that and the other, you know. Yeah, so the way you would do it is, are there any new construction homes in your neighborhood or even a few streets away from you? Uh-huh. If there are any new construction homes and you know what the prices of those are being sold for? Uh, you, yeah, I can find out. Yeah, but yeah you're able for, yeah. to start to back into what building from the ground up is costing per square foot. And that will give you some amount of sense of what it would cost based on how many square feet you have, minus the cost of the land with what you've gotten, what the, what somebody's selling a piece, you know, a house for. You can kind of back in to what real replacement cost would be, because uh-huh. new construction is so much more expensive per square foot than what a used home sells for per square foot so it's not based on what you paid for a home even it's based on what it would cost to rebuild your home yeah like if what if i check with the contractor the cost like you know one of those a lot of construction contractors you know you sure could you could say uh what do you and this is how i'd ask because a lot of times if you have some destruction to your home it's going to be partial not complete and ask them, what does it typically cost per square foot for an addition to a home? Uh, an addition, okay. Because okay. if you take a partial loss of a home, the the math per square foot is higher for an addition than building one from the ground up. And you could also ask a builder, what does it cost these days in our area to build per square foot from scratch? And that would give you a way of backing in. Do you know how many square feet your house is? Yeah, 2400 Great. So you just take 2400 times what that cost is per square foot, and that will give you the number that you tell your insurer. A lot of people are afraid to pay 
uh, what the premiums will be, but you should be more afraid what the loss is if your home suffers substantial damage or complete damage and you're underinsured. So it's really smart of you to do this. Adam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Adam. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Adam. You have a wild story to share with your fellow listener, don't you? Yes, sir, unfortunately. What happened? Uh, I had just got done cutting my grass on Saturday, parked my lawnmower, uh, walked up onto my front porch, and a drunk driver uh, decided to uh, crash his vehicle into said front porch. Were you hurt at all? Was anybody hurt? No, sir. No, sir. Uh, my, my kids were in the room right next to where he struck the house. Uh, I was on the porch. Uh, my wife was in the car in the driveway, so fortunately no one was hurt. How about the but drunk my, guy? Uh, was he hurt? No, he wasn't hurt. Uh, he actually he got out and was very aggressive with, the, with me for some reason. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were all fortunately safe. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the house is not doing so hot right now. Now, is it unsafe to occupy if you had to move into a hotel or anything? Uh, the fire department said that it wasn't unsafe at that time. I've noticed there are a couple of issues. It seems to be getting worse as the days go by. So I, I, there are concerns because it did knock out part of the uh, foundation. And does the, the oh, no. Does the drunk yeah. guy have insurance? No, he did not. Of course not. Yeah. Okay, exactly. and please tell me they t- carted him off to jail. Uh, after uh, a couple days later, yes, they, they did. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they, I mean... He, he, he fled the scene, and they they wound up catching up with him on a later date. So this is like the, the worst possible. This is where bad things happen to good people, and you're harmed even though you didn't do anything other than the drunk driver decided to treat your house as a bullseye on the target. Yes, sir. Okay, so you are... <laughs> in the unfortunate position that your homeowner's insurer is who you're going to have to rely upon since this yeah. this guy had no insurance. Yes, sir. Have you had somebody from your insurer come out yet? Yes, yeah, so they came out and did measurements uh, on the inside of the house and the outside of the house as well. They actually had one of their contractors come out, which is actually who I was wanting to use originally uh, to come check out the house. But I've never filed a claim before with insurance ever, so I'm I just I don't know what's next. I don't know what I should do. I don't. I'm so I, here's one thing I would do. There's some money I'm going to want you to spend out of your own pocket, okay. and I'm going to want you to hire an engineer who's a structural engineer to make sure that the structure of the house can properly be repaired, and more important that it's safe for you and your family to be in the house now. Yes, we've had we've had a lot of concerns about that because we've got cracks in our door frame that are slowly getting bigger. So you cannot rely on the insurance company adjuster. You cannot rely yeah. on the contractor for that. You need your own hired gun, your own outside engineer to exactly. write an opinion on the safety of the dwelling and more important what the proper remedy of repairs will be because the insurer's interests are to do as little as they possibly can to patch the house back up. But I don't want you to cover up something that will 
make the house unsafe for you or even a future owner of that house. And that's why spending your own money on an engineer at a time like this is really, really key. Right. Yeah, well, I wish I would have taken all the wonderful advice you have given me over the years as I was growing up, but unfortunately, I didn't do so, Clark. Now, wait, wait. You didn't do anything (laughs) wrong here. Why are you saying that? (laughs) <laughs> I know I just I know I haven't followed your uh, financial advice to a T so yeah I don't really have a that kind of rainy day fund so that's that's my problem I'm having right now I'm kind of at the mercy of the insurance company I can't let you be that way I mean if you if you even need to go this would be a case where even if you need to go um, to the kindness of a relative to have an engineer come look at it whatever you need to do you've got to have that person on your side because the stakes are too high with your home and the safety of your family you've got to figure out how to do it and i feel so bad that there you are just sitting there the only good news is you'd already finished cutting the lawn and the guy didn't mow you down this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Cheryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Cheryl. How can I be of service? So our youngest son just graduated from high school and has the intentions on going to an in-state school to pursue his college career. And our state actually has a scholarship program in which he qualifies for, and we have put aside money to pay for the rest of what we expect for his normal tuition and room and board. Now, wait, wait, just one second. Pause for one second. Yes. You got to be proud of that young man because it means that he's a brainiac, that he qualified for this full free academic ride as long as he keeps up good grades. Correct. We are very proud of him. Okay. I wanted to hear that. I wanted to hear that pride (laughs) because I wasn't hearing it in your voice. Yes, we are extremely proud of. All right. So my question is, is we, he's been very generously given a congratulations gift from both of his grandmothers in the amount of $10,000 each. So he has $20,000 to go towards any additional college expenses. However, what we want to do is wow. find a way to invest that money for him for a long-term plan for him, but have access to it in the short term should we have some unforeseen expenses or one of us lose our job or... Some, our, our financial situation changes during his college course. Okay, so you're trying to do a lot of things all at once here. So let's first talk about your son. And it's hard to ask this of somebody who's not even a college freshman yet. Is he likely to go on to graduate or professional school knowing who your son is? More than likely not. So he's going to finish his undergraduate degree, he's done. Correct. All right. So in that case, it would make sense for this money if you're worried about the short term first, while he's in school, for that money just to be parked in simple savings. 
Okay. You're not going to be able to do anything exotic or earn any great amount on it, and it just sits. And okay. once he is out earning a paycheck over uh, just a very short period of time, he'll be able to migrate that money into Roth IRA money, which can okay. then grow tax-free for him all through his working lifetime. Okay. We actually met with his investment planner and our investment planner, and they advised us to put it in a money market. Yeah, that's the equivalent of doing okay. a savings account. If, But I don't know that in the money market you'll earn as high an interest rate as you would with these online savings accounts. Okay. So that's fine um, because it just parks the cash, but I also like the idea of the online savings. Okay, perfect. And then... Once your situation feels stable enough or he's far enough along in school, particularly if he's working part-time while he's in college, he can start migrating the amount of money he's earning each year into the Roth, or he can just wait four years till he finishes undergraduate school and migrate money into Roths. Okay. But Roths are the key because the fact is the money goes in, and then earns for the rest of his working lifetime everything it earns tax-free, and then it's spent tax-free, which is quite a deal. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and stretching every dollar you got in that wallet. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com, and I can't believe how much our family has changed with how we eat and all the rest. So I don't know if you ever heard me say, but we have spent months in uh, quarantine, lockdown, whatever, as a family because of worries about my vulnerability health-wise because of pre-existing health conditions that I have in my age And so at first, we were eating 21 meals a week at home. Everything we were eating was um, groceries that we then prepared. I learned to cook a number of items, which has never been. The only thing I was ever good at with food was eating it. I'd never had any interest in or um, desire to cook. I've learned to, to cook. Uh, well, I, I guess I branched out to now I can cook like um, 12 different meals where I actually start with ingredients and put them together and make a meal. Yeah, it's true. But most of it, uh, my wife has done the heavy lifting with this. But as more and more restaurants of various price points have become steadily more sophisticated at taking online orders and having various forms of pickup, because we haven't really been in a food delivery, but having pickup where you do the contactless thing, you buy it, you um, they tell you when it's going to be ready, and you go and either go into an area where you pick up your food or they do the curbside thing where they put, put the food in your car that we are eating an increasing number of our meals as ordered out food. 
And many times it's food that we would have before gone to a restaurant and sat down at a table and sat down with a menu. Like, uh, it's like talking about analog versus digital pre coronavirus. That's what we did. And now we, we have done more and more of this and the restaurants that are going to be big time survivors moving forward it's clear to me are going to be the ones that are very steadily increasing their sophistication, reliability of being able to order on an app, order on a mobile site, or order on a laptop, and are good at keeping you informed on what's happening with that food process. There are going to be certain types of restaurants and this is, this. I'm talking about when coronavirus is in our rearview mirror, which it will be, and it won't even be a factor anymore. People will have learned new attitudes and new habits with food. And the places that are able to adjust and pivot to taking those orders electronically and you being able to pick them up. I was at a restaurant just a couple of weeks ago where the restaurant had never had anything like a drive through window and they busted a hole in the wall and put in a drive through You order online and this is a sit-down restaurant. You pull up and you get in line like you would at McDonald's or something and you come up and you get the food you've ordered. It's only for pickup of things people have ordered and it just works. Amy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Amy. Hello. Amy, you got a question for me that is an unusual one. Hit me with it. My, well, I have a lot of siblings, but one of my younger siblings is moving to town for college. And we already have several investment properties. I'm curious if I can co-sign with her and get a either single residence or up to a quadplex as a kitty mortgage. So it depends on the mortgage broker you'd go to or the financial institution, uh, particularly a credit union that might hold a loan in portfolio. And if you have multiple properties, do you have a mortgage broker who works with you on placing? No, because we buy them with cash. Do you? Wow. All right. So if you are an experienced real estate investor and you're looking for housing for your sister, it makes more sense to me that you buy just as if it wasn't your sister in the picture and you were just buying a place that after, you know, oh yeah, and she can live there, she can rent one of the units if you do a a duplex or quadplex or triplex or whatever and treat it like an arm's length transaction because the advantages to you with investor real estate are great even if you choose to subsidize her rent as your sister because what you're thinking of doing is different you're thinking of uh, allowing her to buy her own place and you would co-sign so you would have none of the privilege of ownership but you'd have the responsibility if she didn't keep up her payments 
Well, we would be paying the mortgage, and she would be pretty much the property manager for that particular property because I doubt we'll get a single resident. Okay, then I would keep it. I would keep it much simpler. Stay with the pattern of what you've done, and if you needed to borrow money for it, you borrow money as an investor, and you own the property. Give her uh, discounted rent as the property manager if you do a multi-unit or if there's going to be multi-tenants in the unit that you would own. And you're giving her a sweetheart deal just by having your sister uh, rent at very low rent by being your property manager. And you've accomplished multiple things. Just as with your other properties, you're getting the the favorable tax treatment of it being an investment property and you're going to be able to depreciate it you're able to shelter a lot of gain and uh, i see it if you think of it more like what you've been doing i think you've got a better business plan okay thanks because what's the advantage to you doing something where you're co-signing for her so the advantage, so the, the properties that we already have are single, and they're low enough to where we can easily buy them with cash. The multi, or up to a quadplex, to get it with her, we could put basically 3 to 5% down, whereas an investment, you have to put 20 to 25% down. And you don't want to do that? Well, the ones we're looking at, because I want to keep her in a better part of town, are in the one to 150 range okay all right so as a practical matter what's the ultimate goal is it for her to own part of this place or no it's to get her through medical school and then continue it as an investment property and she you are fine with her continuing to be an owner along with you of that property yes then what you have noodled works fine because if she was to be the owner with you and it allows you to qualify for a lower down payment, then you're good. But you have so many properties. How many properties do you have now? Seven. Seven properties. I can't imagine that you don't have a financial institution that will hold this in portfolio. You know, what that means is they hold it in-house. And because of the amount of real estate you have, will make you a favorable loan and not require a large down payment. I'll just have to get with some of my local credit unions. I'm sure that I can find one that has a portfolio lender. Yeah. So I, I think that makes the most sense to me rather than, I want you to keep it simple. And you're going to do this in a way that helps your sister going to get her through medical school with more affordable housing. I can tell your heart's in the right place for that. Just find a a lender that's flexible and will work with you based on your track record. James joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, James. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely, James. You have a question for me about something that is a newfangled kind of cross between a bank and a credit union. Fill me in. Yeah, so recently I was just browsing the web and I received an advertisement about this this bank online that 
said its members would own part of the bank, I guess kind of like a credit union. So I was just curious, uh, like, what's the deal? What's up with that? So there's an old type of banking that used to be very prominent in parts of the Northeast called a mutual bank. And it was exactly how I described up front when I was introducing you, kind of a cross between a bank and a credit union. And so it is kind of designed like a credit union to be fine for the benefit of you as a member, but then also there's a portion that is for the investors. So it's a mix. So it's not quite either. And in this case, go ahead and name them because they've come up before on our show. So go ahead and name them. uh, I believe they're called Good Money. Yeah, Good Money. And they're not actually a bank. They are... Oh, really? Yeah, they have FDIC insurance that... that they run through uh, an actual real bank. But it's kind of like, I guess you'd call it a service that's not a bank but has the protections of a bank. Kind of like what T-Mobile has done with Mm T-Mobile Money, where T-Mobile customers can have a checking account that uh, pays them 4% interest and no fees, and they run the the money through an FDIC-insured bank. That's kind of what good money does, and these days they're paying 2%, right? 2% on checking yeah, accounts? Yeah, so it is a good deal, and the reason it's appealed to people is they have this social component where the money, in part, goes to charitable works. Oh, I see. So it's designed to be something that you feel more like an owner than just a customer and you earn much better than you would from a traditional bank and then they're doing the good works. At least that's you, all the promise. Would you say so would you say um, that they are they're a good option for an online bank then to, you know, on savings? I can't say that because I don't know how people's experience has been with them. So, James, that's the hard part. Until we have enough experience to know that they've been really serving their customers well, I can't really speak to that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lawrence is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lawrence. Hi, Clark. Nice to speak with you. Great to have you here. You're buying your first home. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. How can I serve you with that? Um, yeah, my wife and I have been making some 
good income, and we have been very diligently saving um, due to family culture and from listening to you. So we are debating how much a down payment we should put down and whether we should go for a 15-year mortgage instead of a 30-year one. Well, I love the question. It almost never happens that a first-time homebuyer will take out a 15-year loan. Do you have that culture where you're careful with money? I'm thrilled about that. And so if I was thinking what is the ideal combination with today's extremely low interest rates available on 15-year loans again, I would do 20% down and a 15-year loan. If you you need to put more down in order to be able to afford the monthly payment on a 15-year loan and you have the cash to do so, then go further with the down payment so you can stay with the 15-year loan because you build up so much equity so quickly and the spread between the 15-year and 30-year is such that it's really, really wonderful to be able to do the 15-year right now. Yeah. Yeah, we mostly agree with the answer. We just heard that if we put down a bigger down payment, that the rates can be even a little lower. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, depends on the lending source. If they would want you to go past 20%, that would be somewhat unusual that once you hit 20% on an owner-occupied home, the risk level drops so much for the lender. And so that becomes something that I don't think you need to worry about so much. But the, the spread you're looking at right now is the widest it's been in a good while between the 15 and 30. Um, what kind of rates are you being quoted? Like 3.6, 3.7. Okay, shop that a little more. You may find you can get that rate down some on a 15. Okay. Okay, yeah, we haven't fully like given them all of our financials. Um, Have you gone to a credit union yet for a quote on a loan? No, that's actually related to my second question. Um, we um, have some online banks uh, accounts with them, okay. and we know some friends who refer their loan underwriters, but we never haven't got the chance to check uh, credit unions. All right. Well, I'm very excited that you're checking with multiple sources and checking with the mortgage broker or banker as you're doing. Um, checking with an online bank is great. I think add in as an additional resource uh, credit union that is available to you to join. You can Even before you join, you can go look at what rates they're quoting right now for 15-year loans and see whether they're offering a better deal than maybe a mortgage broker is offering you. And uh, I think if you shop around a lot, particularly with how determined you are to put down a decent down payment, You're going to do great on this, and I love the 15-year loans because 30-year loan, you basically develop no meaningful equity pay down in the first decade. 15-year loan, you develop massive equity in that first decade. And think about in 15 years, you own it. In 30 years, you still got 15 more years to pay most of the balance. So they're not even close And that's why the 15-year is so superior. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.